Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Okay, we've got a great show for you today. This one's going to be a very unique one. We've never talked about this topic. We're talking about a marketplace or loan syndication on the institutional level. Uh, definitely outside of my pay grade, <laughs> but I think we had a great conversation and uh, got a chance to go into this one. We've got Annalise Osborne. She's the head of strategy for a company called Matechi, and uh, they are off to a fast start. Uh, they're basically trying to make it easy for your regional banks, your small banks, credit unions to sell their loans to you know, free up some liquidity to institutional buyers and even family offices. And we get into, you know, hey, what, what is this platform? You know, why, why does a small bank need access to a syndication desk? What's the old way of doing it? And why is this going to change that? Why is this going to move the, the industry forward? And how does that help uh, both the small bank as well as the institutional? And my favorite is we got to put together a small little example, a hypothetical scenario, if you will, of a little bank up in Butte, Montana, one of my favorite places to visit. We also talk about going to market strategy for something like this. This is a unique product in a very specific niche market, very high up end. So how do you go to market with something like this? And, you know, I'll be honest, Annalise hit me with an answer I didn't see coming. She talked about leveraging influencers. It's not the Instagram influencers you might be thinking of, but I think it's important to hear this one because this is actually just a very common sense strategy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it can be very efficient and very effective. And last but not least, we do touch on raising capital. I know everyone's favorite topic. Uh, we get into raising capital, some of the philosophy uh, and how Matechi is doing this, especially uh, in a market that's a little bit unpredictable right now. So kick back. I think you'll enjoy this one. Listen in. Well, hey, Annalise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored that you have me on. Yeah, well, this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited because this is your very first podcast. This is, well, I listen to podcasts a lot, but this is the very first podcast that I am doing, yes. Yeah, well, this is, uh, I, I, one of these days, I'm going to make a roster to show Tech Nest who, who's been on their very first podcast coming on Tech Nest because we're early. We, we spot the, the, the best talent before everyone else is what I like to think. So Where we all premiere. <laughs> Well, hey, let's get this started correctly. Uh, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Annalise Osborne. Um, I have worked in commercial real estate finance for a long time. I started my career in, with commercial real estate with Jones Lang and W.P. Carey. After business school, I went into the emergence of CMBS with Moody's. I spent 12 years um, working at Moody's in commercial real estate finance. Uh, it was a great uh, experience of time watching the market change kind of from the beginning days to the multiple different structures through the financial crisis trying to figure out what the right risk and the right ratings were um, and then I spent some time after I left um, working with different hedge funds private equities working on kind of startup different business lines and so that launched me um, that into technology so I worked on a few different boards um, and the boards we're working with data startup like CRE companies or um, one was I was asked to do a blockchain um, regulatory task force. So with regulation with the ICOs and that actually really pushed me into recognizing all that technology has to offer and finance 
and you know CRE is a little bit behind in what's actually being done. So how can we upgrade the processes that are in place and just make them more efficient? Um, and that kind of moved me into so the first the first startup we launched um, was in blockchain, working with um, trying to do loans in blockchain. And I think it was probably a little before its time in the sense that um, institutional adoption is a little slow. But I think there's loads of ways that we can continue to kind of expand capital markets and up, upgrade finance. Uh, and I met these two wonderful people that founded Matechi. Uh, Matechi is a commercial real estate syndicated loan platform. Mm -hmm. So Zohar and Karen Goshen um, founded this company. And the idea, and what it's putting together, it, it's a marketplace for, for commercial real estate loans. Mm -hmm. And the idea right now, the way loans are done is that usually it's kind of who knows who. Um, if you're selling them, there's not an open marketplace for it. And so what we're trying to do is kind of open capital markets a little bit more, make loans more liquid, but give more banks and more players and more funds the opportunity uh, to buy commercial real estate, loans on commercial real estate. Got it. Okay. So uh, plenty to, to jump in there. Uh, obviously, you've had some some fun experiences. I can, I, I can only imagine what it was like for you on the uh, the last downturn. That must have been an exciting time uh, from your perspective. I was working at a home builder. Uh, wow. So I got, I, I worked at a home builder for 06 to 08 and then went to college and got to college and realized I learned nothing in comparison to actually working. <laughs> How was it, where were you building homes? Uh, outside of Philly. So our, uh, the, the recession hit us July, 2006. Uh, we went from 60 homes a month to 15 in delivering. And, uh, we had, uh, nine years of leveraged, uh, backlogged land that was, you know, all that cash was tied up in escrow accounts. And wow. then we had all the reappraisals that hit everyone. So then we had to dump cash into not having the loans called or losing the land. And, you know, the whole compound effect, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but yours was, uh, you obviously you've been in this game for quite a little while now, and you've been able to see it from very high up and then also down in the weeds. So I want to uh, unpack that because I think your background probably has you in a very unique position to lead a product such as Matechi because you have the perspective you you've been on the technology front and seeing the light, if you will. Like, hey, there is a better way. And then you've also done it the other way where maybe it wasn't the best. So, uh, and, you, and you already walked me through the journey of, you know, kind of how you came to Matechi. Um, but let's just start with this. Why is now the time for Matechi to, to take off, to, to build and get out there? Sure. So, um, so the founders um, are Israeli and they had started with their friends um, buying paper buying loans for getting commercial real estate exposure in the US and the risk return was really off and then the recognition that it's really hard to actually find loans for sale that that um, that makes sense from a from a risk perspective um, how do you do that if you're not in the in crowd if you're not in that club of the cool kids how do you find how do you find opportunities and so that was really um, how at the golf course right <laughs> you know, I, in business school, I went to business school. I've got some great connections through business school, but if you're not, like, if you if you don't have that, how do you, how do you mm -hmm. play? And you're not at one of the name, you know, there's some fantastic syndication desks out there. You've got, you know, city golden, it, it, there, there's, there's a lot of players. 
Um, but what if you're a bank, you know, in Montana or California that wants some more exposure and that you don't have that access. Yeah. And so um, it was, it was seated out of DE Shaw's accelerator. Um, and we have, that was in December, I guess that was in January of 2018. We've just started um, loans at the end of last year. We launched loans off the platform. So we have loans on the platform. We're closing our first loans now. Mm-hmm. But I guess why now is there's no one else doing this. So mm-hmm. there are brokers out there that have broker platforms. We're not brokers. We're a marketplace. So our fee basis is, is, is pennies and compared to, to what the brokers have to offer. Um, through the last downturn, um, there are, there's an auction site that did really well, but they mm-hmm. are brokers also. Um, but we're, we're really just doing, you know, I, I saw you just had Airbnb on, right? So we're looking at being in essence an Airbnb for loans. So we're really just, it depends who I talk to, if it's a tech company or if it's just a commercial real estate company. You know, if we, if I talk to the, the loan originators or the, the banks, I don't think they want to know that all the tech that's involved in it, but they want to recognize how it benefits them. Yeah, so you can quickly benefits, find a buyer. Yeah, so how it benefits them is, in essence, we're giving them a syndication desk. We're giving them, we have 250 uh, different companies, banks on the platform right now that are buying, that can buy or register to buy. And we have um, a number of different, we're, we're definitely early, but we're growing. Um, a number of different banks, we've just signed a large insurance company that are putting loans on the platform. So what we're bringing them is we're, one, um, you know, we're giving them a syndication desk so they can access all these people that they might not have known before. But also, we're, we, our fee is based off success. So if you place on our platform, fantastic, and we get paid for that. But if you don't place, if you, if you follow your normal syndication route, it doesn't cost you anything. If, it, if you put something on a platform and it doesn't actually, uh, you know, isn't filled from our platform, then, then there's no cost to you. So it's almost like this fantastic way to market your, market your loans without committing to it. It sounds like so, um, because I've never marketed a loan before. That does sound like fun, though. Uh, <laughs> it's it, calling it sounds, people usually. <laughs> you know. it, sounds, it sounds like that could be a tough thing to promote. So here, someone comes along and says, hey, we've got a platform, and we have buyers for what you need to sell, and there's no downside in you listing your loan for our buyers. And only if you sell through our platform is there any sort of, uh, you call it a commission, a fee? What do, what do you call that? Our fee. Just a fee. Okay. So, so there's no downside to that. And this is probably key because, you know, building a two-sided marketplace is always challenging. How do you get both sides? Because, you know, the buyers need something to buy and the sellers need someone to buy. And how do you, how do you get both at the same time? And sometimes that can be really difficult. But it sounds like you've got a little bit of a, an edge here in building a marketplace in that it's already something that's maybe difficult to sell to the right people. Yeah. You know, one way that, um, look, you're making illiquid assets more liquid, right? Yeah. So if you have a loan on your books and you can't sell, that's hard. You know, that, that's hard because that's not liquid. But um, so I guess there's two things in us building, right? So when we're starting out, we really need to build credibility. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the founders are very credible. Uh, Zohar headed what in essence was Israeli's SEC. Uh, and he's a Columbia law professor and wow. Karen's a lawyer as well and done a number of different impressive um, um, things in her career. And it was founded by D.E. Shaw. So all that really helps. Um, and the players that we have on the platform um, are, we check through to make sure they're institutional. This is not a crowdfunding platform. It's really kind of for the, for the banks um, to use to sell and the funds. Yeah. Um, so that's, 
so I think that's one and that works with adoption because I think those two things are really huge and actually mm -hmm. making us making this happen but we've got really interested some of the players you know when I first started I thought it would be second and third tier banks that really gave them the opportunity credit unions for access but we're also finding some of the large players are really interested in getting in the game with us as well so that's wonderful um to hear so i you know i think in a year we'll be in a very different place than we are now because right now we're closing our first loans that's fantastic and obviously you know right now um it's a little bit difficult to get everyone together for the cocktail party or the conference or go to the golf course so you still need a way to get it done and while the phone exists and of course zoom exists it's not always easy to get someone's attention or get them on to talk through with the product and now you have something that if you can just get it in front of either the right buyers or the right sellers for them to think through of, Hey, this could, this could be something that we could leverage. You know, you kind of stumbled into what might be a good time for people to think about taking this process online and the advantages to it. Well, there's a, you know, there's a couple things there. One, how do you build a business in this environment? But as a startup, there's always things to do. Like that's never, you know, we're always just short on time. Right. And so, you know, the normal way of going to the conferences and sharing um, what we're doing and speaking to large crowds of people, I think is limited. But in the same sense, the opportunity there is that we can directly contact. So I'm on the phone all the time and, you know, I probably speak 25% to people I already know, pitching, like explaining to them what this new concept that we're doing. And then mm -hmm. probably, you know, 75% of the time to people that I don't know. So some of them have already heard of Matechi, some of them haven't. So yeah. it's more of a direct approach for sure, um, which helps to try to get them, lead them in and sign them on because um, yeah. it's something new. But then too, I also think there's, you know, there's opportunities in a down cycle that are going to come across that definitely came across last time. I think the last, the last recession was different in the sense that it was financially led and then economics fell behind it. I think this is more of an economic issue that that is now leading to a financial issue. So it's not that the lending markets are locked because of, you know, of what happened back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, but that's going to lead to a lot of loan sales. So mm -hmm. I think people will have to rebalance their portfolios. We'll have non-performing loans. We've just, we originally started our business in a notes, which is a senior note for commercial real estate. Okay. Um, and now we have just expanded it to include non-performing loans. There's a huge demand for, for distress loans right now because there's a lot of money out there that wants to buy them. There's not a lot of loans that are distressed yet or they're starting to be distressed. So there's the price um, hasn't really adjusted because it's only the beginning because the crisis, we've only really been here for five weeks. I mean, it's not, it's not been a long time. It's just time. hitting fast. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is hitting fast. But, but, you know, we can't even be in a recession until we have two two quarters of negative growth. So, right. Correct. But yes. So I think the event, so one kind of how we reach out to people is more direct Two, the opportunities to expand into different businesses already kind of for NPLs. And then also three, I think what the way that we're working is a little different. So we're very efficient from home. It turns out large, the fact that large companies can go remote and still continue to work because the, you know, finance is essential. So we need to keep the financial markets open. Yeah. And with that, you know, how do we find more efficient ways to transact in business? So I think there's some benefits that have come with that too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that we'll have, um, so like technology will play so much more kind of step-by-step. Step. So like digital mortgages, I think they will be, you know, Cuomo signed early on, um, 
the notarization, the online remote notarization, which is a state by state led thing that is right. super important. So I think this is also building the way for us to become more digital in our day to day business. So yeah, I think there's are three different ways that the current environment has, has kind of changed how we're approaching business and where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned online notarization, um, notarize, uh, which is an online notary, uh, Pat Kinsell's the CEO of that company. And we had him on the podcast. I like to say early, like way before everybody else knew who notarize was. I'm not saying it's coincidental. He was on TechNest and their business is blowing up. Yeah. But you know, seems to correlate to me. No. But I think that's really important. We need that because I really do believe that like we'll have digital mortgages first in the residential and then later in CRE. Don't right. tell CRE people that, but you know, we'll get there. But you know, it, it's all making sense. It's like, wait a minute. So we can do this without having to go into an office. We can do mm-hmm. notarization over, you know, internet connection. Like we can, I mean, yes, we can do these things and uh, getting over the hump, you know, for some people to adopt it is now at a crossroads of, if we don't, no business happens. Before it might have been like, well, if I do, what if I don't like it? And there was there was downside to do it. Now the downside is like no upside is your business doesn't function and your business doesn't move forward. And it's forcing adoption, which I think is fantastic. It's good. It's gonna yeah. really drive adoption for good solutions. I agree. It's really it really thinks I feel like things stop with the general counsel and risk. Like how what's the risk for the company? And now it's switched that they need mm-hmm. that there has to be uh, transactions happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's go real practical here. Uh, I'm a, I'm going to, I'm going to play the role of a local bank, right? So I'm a, I'm a good local bank in one of my, uh, favorite places to stop every time I'm road tripping Butte, Montana, a half dead town. If you're not familiar with it, are you familiar with Butte at all? I've never been to Butte, Montana, but I have been to Montana. (laughs) Okay. So like Butte had the capacity for like, I don't know, I think like 200,000 residents and I think only like 40,000 live there now. So it's like a Detroit on a smaller scale. Oh yeah, it's really sad, but it's a beautiful little mountain town. You know, it's got some cool stuff around it. There's this little soft serve ice cream shop that I stop and get my dog an ice cream cone every time we go through. Okay, so I've got this little Butte Bank. I want to get rid of this loan. I want to get some liquidity because I'm just hunkering down for the next few years. Um, And I come across the Matechi website. What What do I do to get my loan listed? So you can reach out if you go on metechi.com, which is M-E-T-E-C-H-I.com. You can um, click through. There's actually people's names that you can just click on and, and have someone to immediately email. I believe that it's email through there. Um, and then just have a conversation. We have just, it's, it's easy. We have a general agreement um, that we sign. And then you just, up, you can actually upload everything to the site yourselves. So yeah. We're not um, broker dealers. We are not. Uh, we, ju- we we check to make sure that the players, from our perspective, are real players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we could load. You know, then they then they're loaded up to the platform. Mm-hmm. Your loan is loaded up to the platform. Um, it automatically goes out if it matches the criteria because we have you know, automation is in there. So uh, and if it goes out to the people that match the criteria that are looking for that loan. And it says you mm-hmm. have so many matches. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, they get notified as well. Mm-hmm. And then they can look onto your site. The first, the first picture of what people see is a teaser. It doesn't have because concerns of confidential information. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the address. There's, it has generals. Yeah. And so if you're interested, you click on that. And then if I'm the bank, I can say, Oh, look who clicked on it. There's someone from this bank. Yep. 
or this fund, uh, and they say, I'm going to give them access. So then you give them the access to the next level, which is really kind of the specifics, what you call like the asset summary report, really, like information is like a deal memo sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a data room, um, and then they can request access to the data room, which would be things like the appraisal, like the loan note, different. Uh, and then they can do their due diligence. Uh, and they can submit through, there's a chat room. You can actually talk, the bankers and sellers, the buyers and sellers can talk to each other on the chat room. Do they see each other's names or are they anonymous still at this point? Well, there's two, how it initially was set up and how we've initially launched it, it's names. So you can okay. put your profile up there. So your picture's there. Um, That's good. And so you know who you're dealing with. Now we all have just added a confidential function to it as well because of with non-performing loans coming up. People don't want to. People might be concerned about reputational risk if they're putting up NPLs. Yeah. Um, and so, what we have there is it's con- that can be confidential. But generally, when you're going to sign an agree, you have we don't do that on our platform. That's really we're doing the introduction. So yeah. the deal yeah. is structured and done by the buyer and the seller. So your Butte Montana Bank um, can act, can speak to whomever they choose to speak with that have reached out and matched. Uh, provide access to whomever they approve providing providing access to, and then they can decide and structure the deal with whomever they decide to sell to. Got it. And there's some there's some minimum requirements, right, of like loan size to get onto the platform. Well, there is. We're really working from institutions, so we're working with banks um, now. It's changing a little bit with recognizing NPLs, people that have NPLs to sell. There's such a huge demand to buy them. So mm-hmm. that we, we are working with funds as well, which might be a little bit different than, you know, a bank that has $5 billion in assets. Um, a fund might not have that, but they might have non-performing loans, which we recognize we can create a marketplace for that too. So generally we say at least $200 million in assets. Um, the ticket size we're really looking for was about $5 million. Um, and... What else was that? So I'm trying to think of our other requirements that we're looking at now, but, but that's really kind of our rule of thumb. Can yeah. we be flexible on it? Sure. Especially recognizing the market. So we're trying to work with the times we're a startup and we are trying to build adoption and, you know, yeah, I mean, you're sending the general guidelines of, Hey, look, this is the right deal for the right buyers. And that way you attract the right buyers to continue bringing in the right sellers. I mean, that, that back and forth marketplace and without, you know, defining that, I mean, you can't have something too small on the platform because you're not going to bring in the right buyers and then it, it, then it doesn't work. But I will say we have, we have one bank right now that's just about to add to uh, put two different loans on the platform and they have a minimum requirement of um, liquidity for whoever they sell to. It, these are construction loans. Construction loans come out in draws, so you have to have right. liquidity requirements. So we can do that as well. Um, okay. So we, we're, we're flexible and we can, then it, then it limits the target audience of, part, of participants, the loan buyers. Yep. Um, but really we're, we're creating a platform. So, so I was saying to the CRE people, we don't bid it as tech, but to the tech people, we are created a tech platform that we can do this. We have automation. We're yeah. going to have data, which is one, one of the big benefits, I think, as we grow is the data. Right now, it's not transparent for the loan pricing data, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody, you know, if, you ha- if you're in Butte, Montana, and you want to price a loan, well, what does that compare to anything else that's priced in Montana? The idea here is once we get bigger, that'll yeah. be a bit more transparent, which will then also help the borrowers, because then the borrowers will be paying something market rate as opposed to above market. Yeah. Um, so that's something from the tech side. We'll have that data. We can automate that. That's going to be, you know, we can use that in different ways as well. 
I'd expect a discount on Butte loans versus uh, Bozeman. But <laughs> <laughs> Bozeman's cool. It's happening. Town is lively and downtown's cool. And uh, yeah, we, we've stayed in Bozeman as well. Um, I just love road tripping through Montana. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll avoid that one right now, though. We don't have any Montana loans yet, but if anyone has any that they'd like to add, <laughs> build out in Montana, it's not really a market that we've uh, covered so far. There you go. Um, we'll get it. So, okay, so one thing I, I love learning about, though, you know, when people are solving unique problems, because this is, I would describe as a unique problem, it typically requires a unique approach for going to market. So what, what are you doing that's helping drive growth at Matechi? So there's a, there's a few different aspects. One, um, here on the podcast with you talking about what we're doing is trying to reach a broader audience. Um, there's, we're limited for our, our conferences, as we talked about already. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of yeah. hard to reach broad audiences that way outside of um, press and, and, and podcasts. But I think a lot of also is, is direct communication with people, which is what we're trying to do right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the more people we can actually reach out to and, and get influencers involved. So there's a number of I talk, people I talk to as well that might not have loans, but are influencers in the industry. So if we can get more people talking about what we can do with all of their other people, mm -hmm. um, I think there's different ways to spread the word. So it's really kind of going out from all different aspects, um, both from, the commercial real estate lending side, the commercial real estate side, the fintech side. Um, and it's really talking to people and pushing it. So we are going to do, um, and these influencers are not Instagram influencers. I'm assuming. No, you know, funny that the CRE, <laughs> like the CRE finance world, not so much, <laughs> uh, but we want people that talk, right? The people like, yeah. and, it, and it's really just talking to friends that, cause we've worked, I've worked in the industry. So I'm just friends so that then talk to their friends or, yep. you know, recognize the benefit. I love getting feedback for what we're doing um, to make sure the true of the people that are using it or the people that have looked at it to make sure that we're capturing what we should be capturing or what they think we should be capturing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you know, trying to go about it a number of different ways, but the whole point is let's get our name out there. Let's get product for the site as in like, let's get loans on the site. Let's get buyers. So, um, without the large advertising budget that hopefully we'll have, and, um, we're going to do a fundraise, um, ideally over the, our timeline was over the summer. Oh, okay. Um, and but what we can do there is hire more people because if we can hire more people, we can go out and get more markets. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to be creative in, in our current world of how can we reach more people. So yeah. um, I have two great friends who work in two totally different markets that have worked in the commercial real estate finance place for a while, and they know loads of local bankers. And I can't create a relationship with them, the bankers, just in the current environment, but they already have. So they're helping. So you know, how can we leverage that? So they're actually you know, assisting on a representative basis. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's really just, how can we, how can we reach the most people? Yeah. I, I love it. I love the leveraging influencers and thinking from that angle, especially with big organizations. Sometimes it's hard to get to the person who's making the decision, you know, and it's not the true, what used to be described as well. You got to get past the gatekeeper and then a gatekeeper makes the introduction to the decision maker. It's, I think it's a lot messier than that now because there's people who have pull and who have what you're saying that influence on hey, we should take a look at this. I think Slack's a great example of that. You know, the people who choose to upgrade their company to enterprise Slack were not the first at the company who adopted Slack. It was 
you know, it was probably the design team or it was, you know, the marketing or sales team who then basically said like, Hey, you have to do this because we're using this thing and we need, you know, the next tier up. And they, you know, they, you were on the inside. I like to think of it as uh, uh, I don't know if this is the right analogy is the Trojan horse strategy. And it's a little bit, not exactly the Trojan horse strategy, but you know, you got to get somebody on the inside of the walls to, to make something happen. So how do you get on the inside? So you got to yeah. hey, find somebody on the inside who can then pull on the right strings or say the right things or push on the, on the brew. I like to think the brews, find someone to <laughs> bruise, right? Just poke <laughs> on it because you know, Hey, you don't know you have a bruise until someone pushes on it. And then you're like, Hey, there's a bruise there. So you push on that bruise a little bit. So they feel a little bit of pain and, and seek out a solution. And so I, I think that's cool. And um, you know, you know, you don't hear finance and especially at, at this level, I, I don't hear people talking about it as if it's like very cool or advanced or things. And I think they're wrong, but when you're using words like finding influencers to drive business, I think that that's re- maybe hopefully reshaping some perception of like, Hey, this can be a very cool thing. Uh, and there's, you know, different creative ways that you can do business. It doesn't have to be just stuffy, you know, one-to-one at the golf course. True. And I don't know that the influencers necessarily think of themselves that way, but I think about building a business and how are we, it's kind of like missing the startup world and, and how mm-hmm. we grow with, um, with kind of the, cause I think commercial real estate finance isn't as technologically advanced, but I think it will get there. And I think yeah. it's these little steps that make a big difference. So are there any particular, um, are you seeing like any particular trends like geographically that tend to lean, Hey, this is interesting. I want to, learn more or is this uh something that is just across the board having to introduce educate in order to earn adoption so geographically um i mean kind of think of the smile states people talk about them only which is kind of the coast um Mm -hmm. only because there's larger populations in those places and and i will say the differentiation i'm finding is if you're kind of at a a regional bank or a, a credit union the people that are um, working at there at the credit union or regional bank probably have been less exposed to the technology that has happened, for example, probably in some of the, you know, New York hedge funds or debt funds, um, or even some of the larger banks, uh, or Silicon Valley. So I think there's an, it's easier to embrace the idea of tech than there or platforms or new ways to make business more efficient than it might be at some of the smaller regional banks if they're looking at it from as a technology play now if they're looking at it really just as a how can how can this help me i think that's a little bit an easier of a sell um so it's i guess that's how you pitch it to the different players and how kind of i guess sophisticated they might be on both technology and lending got it yeah and that make that makes sense like if you know the people at the banks also haven't been exposed to these things like there's a little bit of a more of a learning curve yes for them to adopt Versus others who have, yeah, I've heard some things or someone else in the area was saying something and okay, this sounds like, you know, if they've heard it from someone else, especially the level of initial trust is going to be higher. Yeah. 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 I totally, I totally get that. Um, one, of the, one of the things I always like to also talk through, because I think this also shows a little bit about like the development of companies is like, uh, is something that doesn't work or maybe uh, you guys have tried a certain direction or an angle or a pitch, but especially in the, the startup world, uh, everyone gets their fair share of, hey, that was a good idea, good try, but that was a failure. Is there anything Matechi tried 
like a direction or a product offering that was not the right direction that, or was a total failure that you can share? I, I, um, I do have experiences from, from other things as well. Um, <laughs> and I started at Matechi in early uh, March. So it's been interesting that, um, great. It's been a fast ride for you. But I will say that we initially, we approached the large investment banks and sharing what we were doing. Um, and what we found was there was more of a demand to um, buy us and use us internally than actually um, partner with us. And, and some of them already had syndication desks, but it wasn't really what we were going for. Like we're trying to, we're trying to create something for, we're starting the U.S., right? Yeah. We're trying to create something for the U.S. market. We're trying to open up, um, open up capital markets for all sorts of players uh, in debt. And that wasn't, so, that wasn't solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. And obviously at uh, startups, I mean, only since March, but you'll find more of those that'll come along the way. <laughs> Things that... I, have, I have many from my previous one. Yes. <laughs> I get it. Apparently is a bad word, but I don't think it's a bad, I kept being told like when we'd say let's pivot. I don't think it's a bad word. I think when you pivot, it's because this didn't work and let's try it this way. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm fine with that. It's not, yeah. you can't be scared of failure. I mean, if you really want to brand it that way, that didn't work. Let's do it. Let's try this. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, uh, I, I don't know who taught me this, but I've always gone with do the right thing and wait to get fired. And I take that and I would just apply it to everything, including with all strategies of like, do what the, you believe the right thing is and see the result. And then you can adjust from there, but you have to do what you believe is the right thing first. Um, and then you can take your learnings. I fired. I hadn't heard that, <laughs> but I get it. You, know, you do yeah, the best yeah. you can, right? Yeah. You do the, do the right thing and wait to get fired. Uh, you, you did mention that uh, you're looking at fundraising later this year. Uh, but obviously that may or may not to get, it looks like the, the current environment is impacting that. Are you able to, and, and I don't know how far into that process you are, but is that something that you're able to speak into and maybe um, what's the approach Mitechi has taken to raising funds? Sure. So we, um, I mentioned before, DE Shaw helped um, seed us as did uh, some angel investors. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we're, we're closing our first loans now. We wanted to make sure we had loans closed. They were supposed to close a couple of weeks ago. We were told as of Yesterday, they really are closing. They just haven't because of its banks and there's just been a delay. People are very busy with all the small business loans. Um, so it's just been a delay in actually committing the funding. But, but that once that's done, we can show that we have a viable project, like that the product actually works. Yeah. Um, we've also since then signed on, even in this downturn, we've signed on other big players. So that's fantastic that we can show there's more, we're bringing more product in. Um, so we are... Obviously we'll go, you know, we'll talk to some VCs. Um, we're talking, you know, right now I'm kind of talking to some strategic partners just in the lending, like in the larger lending space, because I think there's different ways that we can work together, both from, a, from an investment perspective and from a, um, a product perspective. Uh, so we're, we're, we're slowly starting, but we, you know, it's hard to create new relationships because recognizing that VC funding is very um, personally driven it's yeah. hard to do that during this time. So I think yeah. that's more, um, and I also recognize everyone's portfolio companies are, are kind of the priority right now. So I'm not sure how many people are actually writing checks, but um, we, you know, we do hope to start that in the coming months, probably like ideally we were doing it in June. So, you know, yeah. our new normal, whatever that looks like when we can kind of be back in the office and, 
and however we do, but we're still having conversations. I've had one last week. I have one this week mm-hmm. um, with different, different, more strategic players than VCs. We'll obviously need VCs to come into price, however we work, but, um, yeah. but we are happy to meet any VCs that are interested in exposure to this space. We've got a great team of people um, and really we're getting a lot of market traction, which is fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, good on you guys for persisting through it. I mean, obviously uh, it can be a bit of a challenge when some unexpected turbulence hits the entire market. <laughs> we'll call it turbulence. How's that? <laughs> yeah, so true, but... but I mean, persisting through it. And uh, obviously I think that uh, says a lot about, you know, team and what you're doing also in the belief in it and that you're not just going to abandon, you know, well, we're not, no, we're not going to raise a hundred million this week. So let's just call it good. Um, but well, uh, I want to keep moving here and I think we've, you know, first off, this is just such a unique business and, um, I, I hope I'm doing justice in asking the right questions to, to expose what you're doing and to give people, you know, the view of what it is to have a, a marketplace for buying and selling loans. Um, cause this is a little bit outside of what I'll probably ever do. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of us, but at the same time, I can see how this, the trickle down effect into other areas of business and finance that something like this can have. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, if we're taking this process online, ideally it probably should expedite the process. Like it should take less time to find a buyer. It should take less time to find a, a loan to purchase. The process time should be faster. The transparency should be increased. What sort of savings other than time can uh, an investor, you know, realize from that? Have you guys looked into that? Like, Hey, an investor who uses our platform is likely to save, you know, is there like a amount of money that they save or is it opportunity cost? You know, they're not missing that opportunity. Sure. Um, so I'm a huge believer from a, touching the time first. Um, we can access a lot of, of potential buyers right off the bat. Um, we're also going through the old process. I'm a huge believer that techno that will become more digital and more will more and more will be done online. Because right now, generally the banks are using their their old process, this the legacy process of, mm-hmm. of that. And I think we'll find ways to automate that more, which is great when they get more comfortable with our process. So I think that will definitely, um, even though we're shortening the time now, I think we'll like shorten it even further. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if people are using brokers to sell, like brokers charge six, you know, they can, who knows what they're charging, right? They can charge anywhere from, you know, five to 10% um, mm-hmm. on different loan sales. And, and we don't have, our fee is nothing anywhere close to that. So you're obviously saving a chunk of money mm-hmm. um, from not using a broker coming to our platform. Because you have a, a, a fixed fee on closing loans. Is that why? We have, it, it, our fee varies. Um, okay. but it's, it, you know, it's, it's basis points as opposed to percentages. Got it. So, uh, like it's just, it's just a huge, it's a huge chunk. Cause we're really looking at this as a volume. So we're starting in commercial real estate. We're putting in non-performing loans. We're putting in confidentiality, lo- confidential loans. We just launched this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do auctions. If there's a demand for auctions, we've just launched that as well. Um, and then CNI loans. So then we're going to expand to other types of syndicated loans. So our goal is not, since we're not brokering the process and really, you know, hand holding the whole way through or structuring the deal, um, so this is, we're not a regulated entity because we're, we're, we're a tech marketplace that we're providing. Um, so it's, you know, the, the fee is a lot lower, which is why we're looking at it kind of really from volume perspective. 
Um, so that's definitely, that's a huge perspective. Also, all the information is in one place. So if you use our data room, all the data room information is there. We have, uh, you have all the chat functions. You have still access to the buyers from previous deals. You also have, there's an asset management function in there too, that if you continue reporting on the loan, that's tracked in there as well. So there's a lot of added benefits that we're not utilizing yet, um, but we already have in the platform because right now the platform we're really focused on is being the matching function and closing the first deals. Got it. Very cool. Um, we're going to move on to the bottom of the show segments here. Probably my favorite part of the show. This is what we call for the future. <laughs> for the future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Annalise, are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right, let's do this. Question number one, what does Matechi look like one year from now? So one year from now, hopefully we've closed our series A. We've been able to hire more salespeople and build out. We're also uh, branching out from just commercial real estate loans. Like I said before, to have, we don't, we, we, the tech is built. We just don't have the loans on the platform yet for our non-performing loans um, and our CNI loans, commercial industrial loans, and really built that up. So we're hoping to have a thousand buyers on the platform by then. And I, I'm not even sure how many, you know, and, and a number of loan sellers. Got it. All right. Question number two, even though we didn't go a lot into prop tech specifically, uh -huh. I got to put you on the spot. What sure. will prop tech as an industry look like a year from now? Prop tech. So I really think technology is combining with all industries. So it's not even going to be prop tech is just as much, you know, it's really just real estate or property, however you want to look at it. I think that, that it combines a little bit tighter. So um, I think things are going to change as well, because as we talked about with what's happening right now with things being more remote, mm -hmm. um, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays into office space, um, you know, retail, how different technologies have made that more efficient um, because obviously there's going to be, you know, right now what's happening with hotels and retail is devastating as well as, you know, office space and uses for office. So I think there's going to be a lot of innovation that comes out of this downturn of finding ways to, to help solve problems that we're recognizing now. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it just continues and the real estate companies have so much technology built into them that Proctet isn't even as much of a sector. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a ton of overlap. You got contact, insure tech, fintech, uh, some call it rental tech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you have real estate technology, which some like to break out from prop tech, but then it's like, you know, it's a giant Venn diagram of like Venn diagrams. Or but I also think like, it's great to have all this innovation. And I think a lot of the innovation, it's hard to start innovation at large shops, right? Cause the large shops are focused on what they do and there's usually more red tape there. So I think a lot of the innovation starts as the smaller prop techs and then they, they get, either they grow themselves to mm -hmm. large companies that they're not necessarily then a prop tech company, they're, you know, a tech company or real estate company, or they get acquired into, to the individual shops that are there. Yep. So it's exciting. I mean, I think it's fantastic to see all the innovation that's going on and, and how we're growing and we're making the world more efficient. Got it. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think would continue, but you wish would go away? Um, so I think I have to shout out to my women here. So I don't want to say this is going to continue because I would like this to change in my positive mindset, but um, I, I wish there was more women in prop tech or technology or real estate or finance. And I wish there were more co-founded women co-founded companies that were being funded. I mean, I would say, you know, as 
to the VCs out there, like look at your portfolio companies and see where there's women involved. Um, I'm in, I'm, I mentor a number of women and I just think it's important to have those women see other women involved just to get more of a diversity of thought and a diversity, you know, uh, across the platform, you know, from all different levels. Cause I think that helps build out better products. Yeah. I, I, uh, I talk with my wife about this actually, uh, pretty frequently. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's one of the things that I'm focused on. I'm ensuring that the representation on tech nest, uh, not necessarily just equal of one to one, but representing and uh, giving a voice, not just to the, I don't know, the standard guy persona. Uh, there's a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people making moves and it's good to help both back, uh, back women who are in the industry, but also encourage other women to either join the industry as well. So I can appreciate that. Um, I'm sure my wife would love that as well. Thanks. <laughs> Um, question number four, final for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? I would love for paperwork to disappear. So I look mm. at my, my kids don't know what a payphone is. And so I would love it when my kids are working that they don't know what paperwork is, right? You know, the idea of pushing papers. And, uh, yeah. I had to fill out something for FINRA and it was like a 24 page document that had to be printed out and checked and turned in, which is crazy. Um, and I know that happens all the time within real estate for getting deals done. I think, I hope so much more goes online. I really do. I think we're, I think we should become more digital. I think our platform makes that more possible as well as like we just talked about the notarization and notar mm -hmm. what notarize is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I would love to see go away is the amount of paperwork we have. Come on now, preach it. <laughs> love it i mean as i sit here taking notes but see, oh i do too i do too <laughs> but, but this is this is a, a, a lovely little notebook that just helps me re like remember things on the spot versus uh you know having to fill out forms and reminds me of a day's been a remember health, like healthcare went online right and so when you go to the doctor's office you can actually and thank goodness because before you get papers and papers and think how many trees oh my gosh quick side story yeah. Because I've got a million of them. Uh -huh. uh, there was a time 10 years ago where I had to get surgery on a, on a tooth. And uh, yeah, it wasn't good. But the dentist wouldn't see me because he said, you need medical records. I need to know your medical records. And I didn't have them. I was, I was in college or something or just out of college. No, I was still in college. And I didn't, I didn't have, I hadn't been the doctor in years. It's the same story today. But so I was like, okay, well, I booked an appointment at my hometown doctor's office an hour and a half away. And what they used to do is they, they would hand you your records after the doctor filled it out and then you would take it out to the front counter and then you'd hand it over to the front counter person and they would give you a receipt of what happened that day and then hand it back to you. And that's how you would take the records from the doctor to the front counter. Well, I called them and asked if I could have my records and I said, you have to have like a two week request time and you gotta make all these, you can see where this is going. Yes. The doctor handed me the records and I made a beeline for the door. I just took off and took the whole stack with me. That's so funny. Oh, uh, that's, I do feel bad about that maybe. Uh, okay. We're going to move to the last three here. Uh, Annalise, these are questions more about you. So our listeners get to know you better. Question number one, what are you reading? Oh, this is funny. What am I reading? So I discovered Audible not long ago and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I think the last book was Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss. 
yeah. FBI hostage negotiator. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, then I read a lot of biographies. So I read, uh, what did I read? I read Bezos. I read Musk. I read mm-hmm. Jobs. I read Knight. Um, okay, of those, which is your favorite? They're and when the, the Knight one, is that the Shoe Dog Millionaire? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's the Nike. Yep. Um, I don't know which one of those was my favorite. I feel like there's so many takeaways from each of them because they're such different personalities and how they approach business and building businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everyone's had, the, they've each had their challenges and it didn't, didn't start up easy for any of them. That's another, like, the idea of being an entrepreneur people think is, glamorous but it's not really glamorous when you're when you're starting and you're you're always going against the grain i'm finding so yeah you've got a lot of people that say no but so i'm not answering your question i know that another one that i like is, no these are all great suggestions these are great yeah, books range I, I like range as well because that's range. something for all of us to think about it it's a it's about um tiger woods or roger federer right which one's better is it good for you to have done the same is it your 10,000 hours from like Gladwell's 10,000 hours how that makes you an expert and you've only done that like Tiger Woods or Roger Federer who only played tennis in, in high school late late into high school or college and he's done all other sports and so kind of looking at how that translates into the business world and what it turns out is that I mean read the book yes but it's better to have the range and have done all sorts of things because you can pull in experiences from um what you've done in the past as opposed to you know, the one, one thing very specifically straight through. So the, for the people listening, the full title is Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World, written by David J. Epstein. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It's a good book. My, my tagline on my blog used to be specializing and generalizing. So <laughs> you see, there you go. Then you're a winner in this. <laughs> this, right? is already, this is already up my alley here. I'm down. Uh-huh. All right. Question number two, who are you learning from? Um, who am I learning from? I learn from everyone I meet. I mean, that's what I always say is that there's always something that I can learn from. I love meeting people. I did start out my life very shy. Um, and so it's not something that I've always had, but I really, I just find people interesting, especially people different from me. And there's always something to learn. I laugh when, so I have three boys. Um, when my youngest first went to preschool, it was so fun to meet parents that did something different than commercial real estate. Cause my circle was so commercial real estate focused. But it's just so fun to learn people's industries that, that are different. Also, yeah. even, you know, going to conferences and meeting, just meeting people and hearing what they do and what makes them tick. I mean, it's, there's always a takeaway, even if it's positive or negative, but usually it's positive and, and yeah. I feel like that's constant. But, yeah. um, you know, every day I think it's important to, to learn. And we have to keep, we, we talked about this before we started, right? How, we did. How, uh, how you, we need to keep learning. Like every day is, it's not like, it's not like, school is stops when you graduate. Right. Um, I think if there's a constant, there's a constant curve and it's great. It's like keeping up with the news and, and finding different areas that you can learn more about. Like, you know, if you're, if you're not learning in your job, take on a new challenge either within yeah. your job or, or, or it's time to switch jobs. Right. And, and to find something else. So I think it's really important to keep learning. Awesome. Last one here. What inspires you? Uh, um, I have to say it's great being tied in with the tech world. I feel, I would say I'm inspired by kind of heroes, heroes, people that, um, use their resources, be it time or money, um, to help save, you know, help the world. I mean, look at right now, I think there's like all the people on the front lines with nurses and doctors that are every day, wake up and go to their jobs and, and, and help people. Um, 
But I also think from the tech side, like innovators, like I was mentioning before, how I, how hard it is to be an entrepreneur, right? And to really make your, you know, pitch your company and, and take it all the way through because there's so many, so many roadblocks in the way that you have to overcome. So I think that's really inspiring as well. Um, so probably, the, probably those two. Got it. Uh, Annalise, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show to share about Matechi, your background, the industry of loan syndication, and how that bank in Butte, Montana can finally uh, be more competitive. Yeah, free up some liquidity there on the on the books there. Uh, before we go and close out, uh, for those who want to get in touch with you or learn more about Matechi, where do they go? How do they do that? You can go to matechi.com, which is M-E-T-E-C-H-I.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me. Email is Annalise at Um There's anyway, happy yeah. to happy to have a conversation, continue the conversation or help however I can. Totally. Well, uh, this would be great. Those links will also be uh, below the show uh, notes. Uh, you can find it at technest.io. Uh, you'll get all the links and information. Uh, Anyways, it's been great. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Uh, keep me in the loop on progress with Matechi when you guys close your round. Uh, and as you also close loans on the platform, uh, it sounds like you guys are off to a great start. I'm sure that uh, we'll be hearing more about you soon. Uh, but until then, we'll, let's just keep in touch. Thanks, Nate. It was great. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.